That was literally verbal diarrhea. I'm setting the bar awfully low. Titus O'Neil keeps running directly into that bar. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. You make me very angry. The man who has a better IQ than you, the awe-inspiring JC. You should go work for WWE because you'd be so up far up Vince's No, butt. no, no, no. Oh, you are no, such no, a no, sucker. No, no, no. You are. You defend everything, all the bad moves they make. This is the Chopper Knocker Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Jobberknocker Podcast. As always, is Nestle Mania alongside for the right as a man who kind of was a big deal and then showed up and was like, I'm here, baby. Baby! Yes, 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 Nestle Mania. There's only one way we can start the show this week, and that is with AEW All Out, which was Sunday night. I honestly think we should work uh, backwards to from the end to the beginning just because of all that, but I will say this. I have never in my life bought a pay-per-view for myself this was the first time ever because I felt like I didn't want to miss it and I didn't want to risk a stream and losing it because I wanted to see this whole thing. And WrestleMania, it was worth every penny because I, like the rest of the wrestling world, absolutely adored this pay-per-view. And obviously it was capped off late in the night by the debuts of not only Adam Cole. This was incredible how they did this, by the way. They debut Adam Cole. So then even though we all like had it in our minds that Daniel Bryan was showing up, since Adam Cole came out, we're like, oh, they're not going to do two. Oh, my God, they did two. It was like Daniel Bryan said, let's fucking go, baby. Like, this is awesome. Like, Adam Cole's back with his boys. So it's uh, the Be in the Elite show, which I know you love. Uh, it's probably going to be super lit with him back in the mix. But I'm also excited because I kind of felt like this might be their first matchup for both of them. And you know what? They fought once before on a SmackDown for the NXT title and it was great. So, uh, you know what? I loved everything about all this stuff. It was a wrestle boner for sure. Absolutely. So here's, here's my two cents on the whole thing. Like I, I, I didn't watch. I, so here's the thing. I watched most of the show live and then it got to, this is because I'm old man Nestle now. It got to about 11.05, and it was still like, I'm waiting for Christian Cage's entrance in Omega, and I was like, I'll turn it on, I'll watch the whole thing tomorrow. And I did, and I was so pleasantly surprised because all I could think about was, oh, baby. You know, like, and then like, so Adam Cole to me was a big deal in, in general, and then of course, I don't, I'm not necessarily in love with the uh, Flight of Valkyries intro, outro kind of thing they're doing. Really? See, I feel like everyone really liked it. I, I So I, I did, and I and so I, maybe it's because the Joe Stopper's in my head sometimes, and he was just like, it's a disco theme. And it wasn't really. I don't know what the hell Joe's <laughs> talking about. Uh, but it is different, and I'm sure it'll it'll transpire into something else as we move along and morph into other things, and that's fine. Um, and I was hoping because it's, you know, it's, it's Daniel Bryan, and a lot of people know this about Ring of Honor. He came out to the final countdown. And I, I was hoping it would be the final countdown because I think that would be like, you want to talk, because here's here's the thing I was trying to kind of laugh at was, I, I, because of you, you said, you know, oh, I watched the pressers afterwards and how they're big deal. And, and that's what kind of like lends you some credibility in AEW, the things that you really talk about, JC. So I watched Adam Coles and I watched Daniel Bryan's and I kind of watched CM Punk's a little bit. But Daniel Bryan and Tony Khan were like, oh, we respect I, I, you know, intellectual property and IP and all that stuff, which I think is great. But then they're like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to do the yes or whatever, which is fine. And then the thing that made me laugh was he comes out to the flight of Valkyrie and he kind of like, it's the whole presentation, except he doesn't do the yes. Yeah, the crowd's so doing it. Weird. He was just kind of like, it was kind of like, 
He yeah. had his hands up, but he wasn't doing it. Yeah, so that was one thing that was a little awkward. I'm like, they, there must be something here with the, obviously, like you mentioned, the intellectual property. But I did see, I don't know if he was joking, but apparently, like, the final countdown thing, Khan's like, yeah, I ain't paid for that. Yeah, so exactly. He does have his limits somewhere, people, where of he's course. not willing to spend. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I mean, because the final countdown is probably like getting a Rolling Stone song. It's just, it's ridiculous. It's like $7 million. I know, but look, I mean, they're big needle movers, these two specifically. But I think also we'd be, um, you know, remiss to say that my girl Ruby showed up big, yeah, and that was a huge impact. I didn't expect her to win. Uh, I think tip of the cap, by the way, to the Joe Stopper. I think you and I tied second for uh, AEW All Out picks, but it was nice to see Ruby. I thought we were going to see Lana, which she decided to go redeem someone's nuts after the show. That's oh fine. yeah, that was a great tweet. <laughs> Uh, that's, that's neither here nor there, but I will say this much that I really, 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 really enjoyed watching Ruby win because I, I was, I'm a big fan of Thunder Rosa, friend of the show, obviously, but it's so much fun when you get to see somebody who in, in all intents and purposes, she should get our comebacks in general because that woman was held down, uh, held down is probably, uh, uh, not the right word. She was, she wasn't seen to her true potential in WWE. It was like her and Liv were just like the best tag team that they had and they never used them. And then they just cut her for no reason, even though she did an amazing job with Ronda Rousey in one of those pay-per-views. And she finally gets her moment here and you could tell she loved it. And then you saw the respect and the love from everybody in the WWE locker room. And that that's the stuff that you love to see because a lot of the times people are just sitting there going, ah, yeah, whatever. But to see the camaraderie from a different company, be excited that for that person in general. And I think KO had the best one. Uh, the tweet, he said, it's always good to see good things happen for good people, but it's, I think it's great to see good, great things happen for great people. And you know who you are or something like that. And so I couldn't agree with more with him because uh, to me, Ruby was, I think people are, you know, they're, they're enamored with the Adam Coles and the Daniel Bryans. But for me, I think we've always kind of said the Achilles heel of AEW has been the women's division for a long time. And I think she can really help. Yeah, no, I mean, one thing in general about that battle royal is like the format, whatever, it kind of stinks, but it really kind of showed off the division they built. And I'm looking at them like, there's a lot of really talented people here, and a lot of them are very, very young. So, yeah, the division's been much maligned. They have a lot of like more like raw prospects that aren't like, they're not fully there yet. Like, you're talking about the Jade Cargles of the world and even like the Anna Jays and the Tay Conte. There's still a little rush, rough around the edges, but you can tell like these can be big time stars, whether it's popularity or presence and all these things. So, I was just watching this. I'm like, man, they've really done a nice job filling out that division because you talk about someone, Akana Rashida held that title forever. She was like an afterthought in it. Rio, who was their first first ever champion came in and was out. So it was just, it just kind of shows you that they had enough people to highlight all these different stories. They legitimately have stories, whether it's on dark and elevation or dynamite or rampage or whatever, but like everyone was involved in something. So I thought that was good. But yeah, the minute Ruby came out with the Joker, I was like, cause last week when we were doing predictions, I was like, well, if she's in the match, she's probably going to win. But then I was like, eh, I'm a coward. So I didn't do it. And I'm glad Joe did, Joe did I think. So, but the minute I saw her as the Joker, I'm like, well, she's winning. Um, and I like that it came down to her and Thunder Rosa because it kind of gave them a back and forth. I don't think there's any way in hell that she's beating Britt Baker anytime soon. And that's my big thing with her is that, yes, she WWE definitely set a ceiling for her, but she was someone they gave a faction to. They were always in, like, they were on TV a lot, but they get hot and cold with them like they do most people, but she never really got that run as champion or anything, which, I mean, like, did she deserve it at one point? Maybe, but it's always so tough to look at that. So I'm looking at this now, and I'm looking at the new people coming in this division and stuff and the potential they have, and I'm thinking, like, 
I can see her being a contender and helping a ton, especially the young talent, having some great feuds and matches, kind of like she did in WWE as a leader. But do I ever see her as an AEW Women's Champion? I don't know. So I don't. I think she'll definitely have more opportunities in AEW and better shine because clearly she had that on night one. But I just, I don't know if they're if she'll ever be that champion. Maybe they do it at some point. But it's just I'm looking at the list of names they have now. It's like. Well, I think Thunder Rosa might get it before her. I think they might even pull the trigger on someone like a Jade Cargo before her. Like, so it's just, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it was definitely cool to see her because you look at this entire night. It's like, obviously there were matches that were incredible, including two that I want to talk about in particular that just blew my socks off. But the, just the amount of things like that, it comes that we have like these three huge debuts that we're all talking about surround this, like, this pay-per-view was so much fun, but not so many. I don't think we can go much farther without talking about, CM Punk actually wrestled. Like, legitimately wrestled. Yeah, it's funny that, that we're this far into the show and, like, we're, we're, we haven't even talked about the match of the year yet either, but, Oof, but we got to yeah. talk about Punk here because Punk and Darby, like, I definitely, like, I liked a lot of the cool stuff they did that did that Bret Hart spot, which you probably had the biggest boner in the world for. I did. I, was, I did. Yeah, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, but I saw a lot of people making the jokes uh, about the rest holds, and I kind of agreed, but it didn't bother me because we kind of talked about this last week with Punk. It's like, this guy, like, even even though I like uh, I said he'd come in shape and all that, like, you expected some sort of ring rust and stuff because it's crazy that a guy who hasn't really wrestled in eight years, his first match is against Darby Allen, who literally doesn't know what the word stop means. The guy's just a little... So it just... Uh, I thought Punk did definitely held his own. It definitely picked up at the end, and uh, the right man won. Well, obviously, Punk had to win that one. But the other thing that I wanted to point out here... What? You just fall? Okay. I knocked over my mic. There you go. Ah, we're professionals here. So, uh, so the one thing that really bothered me a little bit was necessarily the rest holds, but more of the, like, the whole thing was just kind of funny to me where this entire match made me a bigger fan of Darby Allen, made me a bigger fan because I felt like, and there were spots or moments in this matchup where Darby Allen really, really, really shined and really took over the matchup and really helped Punk. Not that he was carrying him or I hate the word carrying people because that's just not fair to the other person because they're putting in the effort. But he was it, definitely helping him. He though, was a helping lot. him a lot yeah. and, and getting him to the point of like bringing him up to speed in terms of what, you know, cause seven years is a long time. And I, that, that spot where he whipped him to the, to the buckle and he took that buckle to the outside. I went, I've never seen that. And I've seen a lot of shit, but I've never seen that in my life. And all I could think about was this guy is like, and I made a joke when he did the video beforehand with him jumping out of the thing with the, the, the carcass and the bag and everything. But I was just like, this is Darby Allen. Welcome to Jackass. But it, I mean, he really, he really is more than that. And I think that's the kind of the point that, that they're trying to make is this guy's a superstar for some reason that is just, it's an it factor kind of thing. And this was the first time that I watched Darby Allen and went like, okay, size really doesn't matter with this guy. He is just like a torpedo. He just keeps flying at you and he eventually will, he'll tire you out and then cough and drop. It's over. So I thought this match was great. I thought it could have been better. But again, I had my boner on for CM Punk, and then, of course, Darby Allen makes me a fan. So I'm probably grading this at a higher curve just because I was excited about it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of – it's this is an unfair assessment, but I was hoping for more with CM Punk. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, I just felt like – and I, I, I know he – we all know he can wrestle. But – so here's the other thing, too. A lot of people in WWE that come over to AEW will say, oh, the handcuffs are off. I can do whatever I want. I'm thinking of, like, Daniel Bryan said in his presser, 
I'm, I got a devious mind. I th- I'm thinking up moves that nobody's ever seen before or whatever. But like, you know, CM Punk was just like, I don't know. It felt like a man going out for a walk with his puppy sometimes. I don't know. It just felt weird. So it, that's, that's the tough part because I do think all those points you raised about Darby is exactly why CM Punk and Daniel Bryan wanted to come here. They want to work with these young guys that they think have immense potential and they want to see it and they want to bring it out. Because here's the thing for me, I've already seen it with Darby Allen. That guy made me a fan. His match with Cody, I fell in love with him the first time I ever saw him. And then he continued to add to it from there because every time I see him, it's just like, he's incredible. So that moment was already here for me. I already knew it. But for a lot of people, it's like, this is maybe their first time seeing Darby Allen, or maybe they've only seen him a little bit that like, yeah, this was his chance to really put on a coming out party. And, you know, we talked about him really helping CM Punk at points, but CM Punk went out of his way to make sure this guy was treated like the top thing. And that's why, like, I, I thought this was very good. It definitely wasn't uh, my top two matches, maybe not even the top three, but it was still really good because I mean, I went in with the expectation with like, yeah, I want to see where Punk is at, but I'm also like, I'm not going to be harsh on this guy for his first match back, especially like, you know, the emotions he's dealing with and it being in Chicago, like there's a lot going on. Like CM Punk's one of those cool as a cucumber, but like, it doesn't matter how cool of a cucumber you are. You're still going to feel stuff with this. So, but I enjoyed it. I thought it lived up to my expectations because it's about what I expected it to be, you know? Um, so I wasn't going to like be overly critical. And I also like, I wasn't overly like mega surprised by any of it, you know, because like I said, I thought some, it was a little slow at points, but I liked that they kind of told a nice story in the beginning and stuff. So it definitely, it definitely delivered for me. Um, but uh, I need to go to the thing next that literally like I exploded everywhere, like in the world, like that Lucha bros, first of all, their entrance is one of my favorite entrances I've ever seen in my life. Like, like that, that, like that one was bumping. It had the, like, it was so good. I want to watch that over and over again. That was such an incredible, like live performance entrance. It was one of my favorite ones for sure in recent memory. And I mean, obviously there's been so many good ones over the year, but this one like really, really hit for me. Um, So that's super hot fire right off the rip. And then, I mean, you knew when these two teams were getting together, they always have banners. Like, I'm very critical of the Young Bucks because, you know, their characters piss me off. They piss me off. But usually when they get in the ring, especially with these two, whoo, Nelly, it gets hot in there. And, man, like, the difference between AEW and WWE when they have steel cage matches is Cody came out and said it right when they did the first one. Like, we don't have the bullshit where you can just walk through a door and stuff. They use a cage like it's meant to be. That cage is there to keep people out and then be used as violence. I honestly consider the AEW steel cage matches more of a Hell in a Cell match just without the extra space around the ring, like in a Hell in a Cell. So for me, I mean, you know these guys were going to use the cage to the best of their ability. They had all sorts of weapons, the eye pop for the thumbtack shoe, even though I was cringing because that shit makes me cringe, but it was so well executed. Like, Penta and Phoenix, just like, if people weren't already fans of these people, I don't know how they're not one of your favorite duos. Like, this was just beautiful start to finish. I absolutely loved it. I loved the violence. I loved the athleticism. And I love the fucking moment we got at the end, man. Like, the moments towards the end of this match and then the Lucha Bros winning, hashtag JC's hopes come true. It was literally everything we wanted. It was beautiful. Like, all four of these guys deserve immense credit. And, yeah, this has now passed Sasha Bianca for me as match of the year. We'll see if I change my mind by the end of the year. But uh, as a knee-jerk reaction and then sitting here two days later, I still feel that way. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think it was definitely the best match of the day. Probably the the week, the year, the whole thing. I mean, it was I I I like I go back and forth on the whole cage thing cuz there is a door there. They don't use it, but 
I did. Cody has said in the first match, you can't win that way. Right. Which is like, good. That's all I want. That's all I want. Get out the bullshit. Yeah. And I I appreciate that too. So the other thing too, that really made me kind of thing was there are two things I took away from that entire thing. Obviously the shoe was one. We already talked about that. But the other moment that I thought was amazing was that Phoenix just crawled up the top and jumped off and did that amazing dive, which he's like a superhero because that that's higher than a normal cage. It looked like it was at least twelve. Their cage is huge, huge. So to see him not just like fall, but he like jumped and land, and he's nuts. And I, I Phoenix it will always to me like I love I love Penta. Like I, I think Penta's just got a cool look and everything, and he's just like cool as a cucumber and just a, a maniac. But there's something about Phoenix where I'm just like if he if they weren't brothers. Both of them would be stars independently of each other. They're just that good. And the other thing that really got me jazzed and like tugged on my heartstrings was the part where the referee was banging on the thing, trying to get him out. And you knew, you knew Penta was not leaving without hugging his family. And I just like, maybe it's because I'm a dad, but making sure his daughters knew he was okay after just seeing the gruesomeness of that so match. <laughs> like I would, I would have ran to him too, but he was just like, hurry up, hurry up. Like, he, he, he was so, and I mean, that's their uncle too. So I'm sure they're, you know, they're concerned in general, but man, like it was, you want to talk about the best of professional wrestling. It was to me when you sit there and yeah, it's fake. We get it. People like not using the, the F word. It's whatever. It's predetermined. Really don't say it, but just say it. But when you can forget about it or no acknowledge that it is predetermined, and then still have a visceral reaction like that, I don't think there could be anything that can top that match, especially on that night. Well, there were a lot of emotions for everything. But as in terms of a matchup, just in, in the confines of that cage, anybody that did anything after that, I was just like, whew, I needed a break, like an emotional break. Like I felt emotionally tapped out. Yeah, no, it was literally, it was the highlight, even with all the debuts and everything like this, was for me the highlight of the night because I I want to watch this match forever. Like it is just it, and like it just it literally had everything from the start with the addresses, the beautiful violence in the match, and then the moment. This is the match where we got the true baby face moment that we wanted for the Lucha Bros who like they're kind of like Big Show. Their heels, their faces, they flip around. Like it literally doesn't matter. Like I just I adore these guys. I gave them my most underutilized superstars last year because. These guys have just been sitting there and they like pop, they'd have great matches whenever they're there, but they haven't really pulled the trigger. And I love that they did because now I'm looking at this and I'm like, man, these guys can really set the tone for tag team wrestling and AEW for a while. And the feud that I want to see, maybe the next pay-per-view, Lucha Bros and Santana and Ortiz, because the momentum for both those teams is off the charts. But yeah, I was thrilled with this. The other match for me that was my second favorite match of the night was actually one that I never thought in a million years I would fucking put it as my number two match of the night on this card. And that was the kickoff to the show. That was Miro and Eddie Kingston. We talk about this all the time in WrestleMania, where we love those physical, physical matches where two guys are in there just hurting each other. And you're watching it. You can feel the pain of every chop or punch or move. And you know what? Both these guys did it. Like, they beat the fuck out of each other. Miro, like, his chest, I've never seen Miro or when he was Rusev, anything like that on him. Like, Kingston gave it to him all. Like, this is probably my favorite Eddie Kingston match ever. Like, it just, like, it, I didn't think it would be this good. Like I said last week, I kind of wanted to be a squash because I thought I could get clunky. But the physicality of this match and, like, the near falls they had, the near fall in that Kingston DDT, because they obviously sold Bane about his weakness, that was such an awesome moment because everyone was like, oh my God, it might actually happen. When Miro kicked out, it's just that deflating, oh, oh. But obviously Miro uh, ends up does getting the win and retaining, but the way they did it, 
they set it up where Eddie's probably going to get another shot at this, and it'll probably be in a couple weeks uh, in his hometown. Yeah, I, I I turned it on, I saw it, and I went, there's no fucking way this can be good. And then they they blew me out of the water. And the, the, the suck part was it, it was a great matchup, and then directly after they had, I think, Moxley and... I felt like that was the worst placement you could possibly yeah, put that, that match. Not, that was not good. You know, and, and not not that it wasn't a good match. I mean, obviously the end result was what it, we needed it to be to get to where we need to be. But all I could think about was you went hard hitting to hard hitting. And it was just, it was an, like, I'm sure they knew about it. They, they're smarter than us, but they, I just like, it was a weird, well, maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I don't know. But there were certain points where I just went, whew, like that was a rough, that was a rough, just kind of a transition. Like I was so enamored with like, wow, Eddie Kingston pulled a really good, you know, fight out of Miro. Miro did a great job kind of bringing it. And then that happened and I went, eh, whatever. So it's kind of a weird, it, it, it not that it really should have any interest with each other, I guess, or, or effect on each other. It just, it kind of did in a way because Moxley and Eddie are kind of together all the time. Yeah. So I, just, no, I definitely, it definitely was a head scratcher for me too. And like, I'll be honest, like the, the Mox match, like it was about what I expected. I didn't have a ton of answers. I'm glad that what's his name got the good pop from the crowd. Like I thought that was really cool because you always worry about that when it's like, is the crowd going to react to him? A guy they've never seen and they might not be familiar with. That just shows you this AEW crowd is what it is. Like, you know, so I thought that was awesome for him. It made me buy into the match. Like if it wasn't after Rusa or uh, sorry, Miro Kingston, I probably would have enjoyed it more. But for me, like you said, it was kind of like how you felt with the Unbucks match. I also felt it here. where just like, I kind of needed to cool down. And then obviously they had the moment after the match. Um, but yeah, I definitely thought it was weird to put these one too. Is there anything else that you think bears repeating? Yeah, I mean, I don't know about you, but the MJF uh, countdown entrance was fucking hilarious. Definitely the highlight of that whole thing for me, because whatever, like, uh, just I didn't like, I, you know, I wanted MJF to win, but whatever. And I, even though I picked him, I kind of expected to be wrong, but uh, you know, obviously we've seen it a bunch of times. I hope these two can get away from each other now, but I mean, who the hell knows? I yeah, uh, I thought like, I think I talked about it in the thread when I was watching. It just they're two of the best on the mic ever to do it. And we knew the lead up was good. We knew the matches were whatever. And then the match, like after the countdown and the the, the shitty Rick Boogs rip off and all that shit, it was. Tell me it wasn't a Rick Boogs rip off. Tell me I'm wrong. Rick Boogs does it better. And it, here, here's if there's one if there's one complaint that I can still have about AEW, and this is minimal at best, is the production value hasn't me- hasn't even caught oh, up no. with everything else? I don't think else. they have the budget for that that WWE does. So I don't. It's not no, even but a it's, fair a, fight. it's a it's a it's a fundamental difference. It's the guy from WCW, the guy from TNA. It's the same. It drives me insane. WWE fades out their music in between people, and AEW does not, and it drives me insane. They don't give you a second to just m- like milk it, just fucking milk the song and just fade it out, and then wait a second. And then there's anticipation. Like for me, it, that was a whole small thing. But when that fucking Boogs guy, I know, I know, I know he's part of Fozzie. I get it. I, I I know who he is. But all I could think about was, this sounds like throwing a cat into a garbage disposal. It doesn't it make bad, any yeah. sense. Well, what didn't make sense to me is, isn't Fozzie a band? Right. He needs a band. Why was the whole band not there? But like I thought it would have been cool. Maybe have Jericho like perform with. You know what I mean? Because yeah. what they they kind of took one of probably the best entrance they have. 
and they negated it because it was so hard to sing along because acoustically it sounded terrible on TV. I don't know what it sounded like in the arena, but I don't think it sounded much better there, but it just wasn't, this one was as perfect as the Lucha Brothers entrance was. This was the complete opposite. This one was horrible. So yeah, I don't think it really set it up to, to be a success in general. I think we've all been fatigued with MJF and Jericho. Like you said, they need to get away from each other. And, I, I hope that's the truth because I think Jericho needs to Jericho needs to not be on TV in general, I think, all the time. I think he needs to yeah, they need to dial I mean we've got they a need lot to give him the Brock obviously. feeling. If he yeah. if he's special if he's special, he needs to be treated special. That's that way I look at it. Especially in the ring. I think we've seen yeah. enough of Jericho wrestling in the last two months. Uh, last thing is obviously Britt retained against uh, the uh, what do they call it? The Andromeda region or something? Yeah. Chris Statlander. Uh, this match it, it started off a little slow, but it really picked up at the end. I loved obviously the Pittsburgh sunrise when Britt pulled that. Out. I was like, oh shit! So I love that. And obviously she got the win, which is all that matters to me. And uh, we didn't even talk about it. We talked about the main event. <laughs> Kenny Omega did beat Christian Cage, but I didn't think this match was anywhere near as good as their last match. So Yeah, I think it's hard because I, it, and I think we can probably, I guess we're done talking about the pay-per-view because uh, I wanted to you know, give a shout out to Chris Statlander, who I thought is an amazing human and just awesome in general. So she did a great job just showing off her physicality, but also her strength. In that match, and I think that's something that she can do better than most of the women in the division. I mean, I'd like to see Chris go up against a Jade or a Nia, a Nyla, excuse me, a Nyla Rose or something. I, w- I want to see like her go against the the the, the brutes essentially. Um, but on the flip side of that, the Omega Christian Cage thing, this couldn't have been to me like the better timing for Christian Cage because he's probably never going to sniff a main event ever again. Based well, on, how, on impact, he is their main event. Right. But I mean, in general for AEW, I yeah, think no, this was his yeah. AEW shot, you yeah. know, and obviously it makes sense because look at who they're bringing in now. Right. But I mean, Christian has done what he was supposed to do. Him and Omega, that first mask match, I thought was fantastic. Yeah. One on Rampage. So that's kind of for me, like, I'll be honest, I had to rewatch it because I fell asleep. I was also very hungover most of the day. So <laughs> when the minute QT Marshall came out, I fell asleep. I kind of woke up for these entrances and then I passed out again, woke up for the very end with all the normal elite bullshit. But so I just if it was the first time I saw the match I probably would have like taped my eyes open but knowing that I had already seen it I was just like eh but obviously like I we obviously know why it had to main event because you knew Cole and Brian were coming by the way we didn't even talk about this Adam Cole's new theme song a banner baby yeah baby nothing nothing that you can say that would be bad about Adam Cole especially and just to see how excited he is to be there just in that presser yeah, I, I was just so I was so I bought his shirt I bought his shirt just yeah. cuz I was like you know what this is one of the guys that always moves the needle for me so I'm excited for this when so I, I now that this is probably a good part before we 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 part C I guess from going to AW to the the rest of the show I do have a quick comment I wanted to see what you feel I and mean, we kind of we kind of know where each other stand on this but do you feel like there is kind of yes, it's exciting and it and it's this is like a monumental pay per view across the board for for not just AEW but wrestling in general. But how does that transfer over in terms of what it's going to be like week to week kind of thing? Because for me, I am still nervous that there are a lot of masters that you need to serve, and there are a lot of them that are. Some of them seem happy to be there, and everybody's rainbows and sunshine, of course, because everybody's happy to be on board and get paid and do all that stuff, but eventually we know that most wrestlers have an ego and yeah, you can say, Oh, I do. I just want to see if I can hang, but eventually there's going to be something there that I, you know, and it's just part of life, but I feel like people are like, Oh, it's part of WWE. They're they're the same competition. It's happening. And I think that people are just clamoring too much for it right now. And I feel like we're like two years away from them 
really being a competition from the WWE? So it's tough because the WWE is just such a freaking mega monster. Like, uh, like I like they're not even with these monumental signings. Like, I think in terms of the qualities of the shows, I think AEW is absolutely murdering them right now. Week to week, if you tell me I can only watch two wrestling shows, I want to watch Dynamite and Rampage. It's not even close because AEW is the better product. It's the fresher product. They are hitting on all cylinders. They're giving the fans what they want. Whereas WWE, we get some nice things, but we get a lot of bullshit mixed in. There's a lot of fatigue. The one thing that AEW has done well. And to this point, and who knows, we'll see if it changed now. They're so top heavy is that they find a way where it's like their top stars besides like the elite probably only wrestle like every three weeks, but it never feels like that. Cause they find a way to work them in, but they also make it feel like every random quote unquote random TV match they have always feels special because they hype it up in some way. They mostly give it meaning. So I think in terms of balancing egos, I think they're going to do for the most part. I think if you're on TV and AW, you're going to be happy. It's more of those like, second tier or third tier ones that maybe might eventually start to get a little tired because they're resting on YouTube every week. Maybe they get a chance to be on a dynamite once a month or whatever, which I think for a lot of these young talent, which let's be real, AEW has an immense amount of young talent. Like people, if they were in WWE who probably wouldn't even be on NXT yet, get to wrestle on dynamite and dark. And then every now and then, or excuse me, on uh, Dark and Elevation. And every now and then, maybe occasionally get on Dynamite or Rampage. Like, these are people that wouldn't even be on TV at WWE. So, I think AEW has a nice balance of that. But, obviously, you keep throwing in more and more people, it's going to, it, it clouds it up. And I, But I think as long as they keep their way they've been booking things, they'll be okay. But the one thing that this has caught me the last couple of weeks is that, especially with CM Punk, we're getting the dog and pony show every week. Like there's not a reason for him to just come out and do an entrance besides just to hype up the crowd, which is great. But it's just like, he's just kind of like happy to be there punk and just like taking You know what I mean? So if they're doing that with punk and with Daniel Bryan, and they're just like, they have all these acts where they're just doing the dog and pony show kind of like they did with sting right off the bat. That's where I think they get themselves into trouble. But I think up until this point, I have faith in them to be okay because they haven't given me a reason not to besides people just anytime someone reaches a great success like that, people immediately want to look ways to knock them down. Sure. Whether you like it or not, it's just natural. It's just a negative thinking of human nature. But for me, AEW has peaked in terms of where they've been so far. That isn't to say they can't get higher, but in terms of since they started, like this is a fucking pinnacle moment, man, this was so far. And the crazy part about this, if you look at the show, hangman page, who's been like the best story in AEW because he had a, a kid and didn't want to be there, wasn't even a part of this night. Cody Rhodes, who has been like one of their biggest stars and one of their biggest attractions, didn't have to be a part of this show. Newcomers like Malachi Black, who people love, didn't have to be a part of this show. To make it still annoying, this has incredible depth. You can make the joke about all the former WWE, blah, 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 whatever. But they have an immense amount of people that they have taken from the indies who are well-known in the indies to maybe that what is – five to 10% of a wrestling audience and they've turned them into like actual stars. So it's, they have a good balance right now. I am curious to watch it unfold. I think it's a ton of fun. I would say my advice to most people is just fucking enjoy the ride, man. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? It's just like, this is the most excited. I think people have been on wrestling in a while and I hope it translates to where we're going now with WWE because look at, I always love WWE always will, but like I wasn't even excited for Raw last night, even though like I things I love on Raw, I'm just like all I want to watch is AW because it's so good right now. But I think that 
even if WWE can say what they want and there's no reason why they should be upset that these people left or whatever because the wheel keeps turning, I do hope it changes some of the fundamentally ways they, whether they put together shows and they book things. So that's what I'm looking for going forward, more so than trying to wait for these companies to fall apart. Well, you talked about this APW, APW, excuse me, this AEW uh, show, Freudian slip, uh, the AEW show being the shine of all shines in terms of pay-per-view, but we should get into the regular part of the show, into the shine, into the WWE. What exactly were you excited about? Because there are a couple things on Raw and SmackDown that made me go, hmm, not so bad. That's so what, what was my favorite match of the weekend? What type of match was that? Cage match? Tag team wrestling. <laughs> you know what I love? Tag team wrestling. And you know what we like to criticize WWE for? Not doing enough tag team wrestling, not having enough tag teams, not making it feel special. Well, you know what? RK Bro has elevated the fuck out of those tag team titles because they're kicking off the show pretty much every week. They're main eventing the show pretty much every week. They're the best thing maybe in all of wrestling, but for sure in WWE. Um, and it's, they're just so good. Like ran like the, I mean, obviously right off the, uh, the top, you're getting the freaking riddle dropping a munchies lines and Randy Orton just breaking kayfabe laughing because it just, you can see it all the time. Randy Orton trying to keep it serious and riddle says something. He like smirks. He legitimately just laughed in this one. So I loved it. Obviously you get the new day involved and you get to re- watch them wrestle like 15 teams, which I thought was cool. But what I, the big takeaway for me was like, see Ra, you can build a show around wrestling that matters, that has meaning that is good. And oh, by the way, they have a shit ton of fucking tag teams on Raw. And that's just Raw. Like SmackDown is its own division, but the Raw tag team division is deep. It is headlined by two of the most popular stars in the entire company. And they still have one of the best tag teams that was featured in this. I thought even a team like T-Bar and Mace has been a joke. Giving them that chance to beat the fuck out of people. Not only did I love it because it highlighted them. It's something that fucking just makes sense. You have these two big buffoons, so all they do is talk shit and want to fucking throw Molotov cocktails and retribution people. They legitimately did it after the match. Like, fuck it, we lost? No, we're going to ruin this for everyone. That's believable. Like, that makes sense to me as opposed to just going away. So whenever I see shit like that, I like it. Like, we can talk about the splitting. I didn't mind it because I thought it kind of, like, balanced the show a little bit because I feel like I would have been on such a letdown the rest of the show if they just kept going and finished the tag team turmoil. But... It definitely, you can say it stalled momentum, but I thought it was okay. I would have actually liked them to resume it sooner, but I thought overall this is my biggest shine of the week because we saw some incredible wrestling. We got to see the highlighting of all these teams, and I can't get enough of RK, bro, man. I really can't. Another thing special, shout out to the New Day, because it's like gauntlets are their thing. They just keep doing it, and they look like, you know, the NWO with Razor and Big Sexy and the whole deal. I loved it. Um, And, you know, I've always loved just watching the New Day wrestle specifically because I think they're very underrated in terms of just the gas tank in general. Um, But... I did have a kind of a problem, like I, and this is the part that like, and again, we can go back and forth. I wouldn't necessarily say it a heat. I get why we're doing it, but for me, I was looking at it going, okay, MVP and, you know, Lashley get interjected into this thing and that's why we split it up and okay, instead of me being generally excited about one of these seven tag teams actually getting a shot, we're just furthering Lashley and Orton, which I get, but I would have somehow some like the ending. I was kind of hoping this is going to be, you're going to look at me weird, but I was kind of hoping there was going to be like thrown out or a DQ so that that way we could at least have AJ get another shot with Omas because Omas and Lashley is cool. I love that. Oh, whole aspect. Like, that was, that was great. Though, I, we loved it. The crowd popped for yeah. it too. Like that was fucking awesome. And he made Lashley look like a small man. Not like, not like which he was a big. Yeah. Yeah. 
But you sit there and you're like, wow, that is a he's a big ass. That is a grown ass man. And so you sit there and you think about those things. And for me, the pause was nice because obviously the new day got their wind back. Obviously, I know, poor, but, poor bastards. But the first first forty minutes of Raw was that that whole setup, and, and that made sense. But I here's here's what I and and I'm again splitting hairs because it's not necessarily heat, but I would have preferred somebody that was either advertises the seven or like a Viking Raiders or not Lucha House Party, but somebody else like the New Day, somebody to get a real shot instead of just like, I guess there's something to be said, JC. And I know you can, you can, you can, you know, massage it in a way that'll sound positive, but having all of these teams come up short to a team that isn't really a team to me was kind of one of those like, eh, like I know it's the almighty, I get it, but I would have preferred art. Like for me, I would have preferred Randy and Riddle to cause a distraction for Lashley or MVP to lose and then you could further on going with Lashley and Orton in some way because I think I get the idea of, of Orton and, and Randy and, and they're both being greedy bastards they want to be, have two titles I get that because what I feel like it is is just we're waiting to get to Saudi Arabia so it can be Goldberg and Lashley again eh, whatever so it just it feels like extreme rules to me is just this weird I don't even know how to describe it. It just feels like feels like a potluck dinner. They're just throwing shit that's good and leftover and putting it together. And it's working, but for how long? So to your point about, you know, Lashley and MVP had the advantage by coming out last. I think that isn't lost on it. And you can tell, I mean, the reason why they put the New Day and Viking Raiders out there first is like, these are two of the better teams. So first of all, we're going to eliminate one, but then the other one's going to wrestle forever. So when they lose, it's not a big deal. The New Day is going to have their chance at RK Bro. AJ and Omas, they aren't done with RK Bro because there's a bunch of chicanery there towards the end. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things, though. I feel like when they booked this match, I feel like a lot of people would have had the same criticism because it'd just be like, oh, well, AJ and Omas are just going to get the shot again anyway, so whatever. But it's just, it's instead, they kind of swerved you with this Lashley thing. I actually like Lashley Orton because they've been kind of teasing it. And I don't think you do that enough where you have your current champions who usually like have one of the better win-loss records, momentum and everything challenging for those titles. Like, yeah, we knew Extreme Rules was going to be a pit stop before we get back to Goldberg. Well, you know who's the best pit stop you can have is a guy like Randy Orton because he'll make Lashley look like a stud. It's a believable feud. It's a one-off that I think people will have fun with. Um, So I don't mind it. And especially because these guys like, Orton and Riddle are so much part of your main event right now, like Lashley is. It just it makes sense that they're going to cross swords, so to speak. So I didn't mind it, but I also love like that Omas beat up Lashley after the match too, because it's be like, oh, we might get to see this again at some point. And oh boy, that was cool. So that's why for me it was so positive. Because yeah, is it clunky? Of course it is. It's fucking raw. Nothing's ever perfect. But in terms of like my entertainment and my pleasure I had, this was by far the best part of Raw for the week, and it made a three-hour show a lot more enjoyable for me. That's fair. Very fair. Moving on, uh, what else? Because you're Mr. Positivity all the time. Is there anything that you really, really think stood out when, on Raw SmackDown? Uh, well, I'd like to go to SmackDown because I actually really enjoyed how they did the main event stuff because not only did we finally got this Balor-Reigns um, match, but... 
the Usos beat the fuck out of Balor before the match. So he's obviously a little ragged to start, but I love that Finn still got his momentum back. He was a credible threat to Reigns. He hit his coup de gras and Reigns. I love this little thing. He kicked out by doing a low blow. So yet another advantage for Romo. Romo, Jesus. Can tell his football season. They're both they're both very uh, beautiful men. It's okay. Yeah, I love both of them. But so that again, once again, Roman, like, yeah, he beat Finn, but Finn looked like a million bucks. So at some point. Finn's going to get another chance, but is it going to be Finn or is it going to be that quick little tease we got of the red lights and the doo doo, the heartbeat? We're getting the fucking demon back, baby. And that's my biggest takeaway of why this was fucking awesome because they gave Finn a chance without actually giving him a fair chance. They beat the fuck of him. So the storyline just continues where Roman is clearly threatened by Finn, which is incredible because Finn's not the biggest guy. Roman's got Brock Lesnar chasing after him. He's got all these guys chasing after him. He's got legends like Edge chasing off of him. But like, just, you know, I just, I love it. And they're, they're doing so good by Finn. This is what I was hoping for with Finn. He was the first ever universal champion for a reason. Cause the guy's just fucking likable, but this demon tease really got me like, Ooh, it's hot. This is what I love right now. It's just all these contenders around Roman Reigns. It just makes it feel awesome because we still are getting Brock at some point. We don't know when. Ed just talked about wanting to get back. And we know Rollins wants to get back there. So we have all these guys and we have Finn still there. So I thought this was a lot of fun. Um, and I'm looking forward to how they integrate the demon in, whether it's right away or if we kind of get a little more teases for a little while. I would think that they're going to probably blow their load pretty early because we're, we're, we're like th- two or three weeks away from Extreme Rules, right? So... I mean, maybe, maybe they'll wait till the last week. So it's like, it's the demon, you know, whatever they normally do. But Damon Kang, Damon Kang, Damon Kang. I forgot all about that. <laughs> uh, where are you, Demon Kang? Uh, no, it's just, I, I, it's funny because it felt like an NXT. It was like, oh, we're not going to use a demon. We don't need it. And then it was like, oh, back up to WWE. Yeah, we're going to need it. And so it does take a psychological kind of point to beat Roman. And I understand that that kind of, you put on the makeup and the whole gaga and it works. And I'm always excited for the demon. So that'll be cool. We haven't uh, seen it in forever either, which I right. think is Right, and I think that's the pr- the best part about it is that you it's not overdone. It's done when he needs it. But here's the thing. They're making a big point to make sure that nobody <laughs> nobody beats Roman. So it's going to be like, are people going to get pissy when the demon takes another loss? Like Samoa Joe's the only one that could beat the demon in NXT, but on the main roster, I don't even know at this point. I've lost nobody track. Nobody has. So, Who's the demon? Nobody has. Yeah, so I mean, it's kind of like, you know, but... Is what it is. By the way, uh, quick quick note. Uh, there actually was a point of everybody was like, "Oh, you know, Finn finally gets his match. His match. He already had his rematch against Roman a couple of years ago." But people forget about it. It was on Raw, but nobody remembers that at all. But it did happen. So I mean, this felt like a little bit bigger because it's SmackDown and on Fox, it feels bigger. And um, it was also this one was for the title. Was the other one actually for the title? I don't think it was actually for the no, title. No, it was for the title. It, it okay. was. I remember that specifically. But again, the WWE likes to kind of you know. Don't pay attention to that stuff. Pay attention to right now. So <laughs> that's how you book shit, man. You got to make it sound more yeah, exciting. Yeah, you yeah. lie, baby. Lie, yeah. baby, lie. They once, don't keep records. They can do whatever they want. Once in a lifetime, followed by twice in a lifetime. Yeah. Fucking a. So that's how I feel about the WWE with that. But no, it, it's it is what it is. Um, I here's something that you may or may not like, but I I just I cackled hardcore at this, and I thought this was so well done, and I and I thought it's just rubbing elbows. KO show with Corbin mm. and, uh, of course, Logan Paul, who just seems to be the, uh, oh, come on, guy, that kind of thing, which I love. It works. It works. And he's rubbing elbows, getting that nuclear heat with them. And, like, we know Happy Corbin is going to get heat regardless because he's just good at his job. But having a Logan Paul with him is going to get more eyeballs on him, more like, well, he's a dick. He must be a dick, too, you know? And so 
that is just inevitable. And I think that that's important because we're never going to have, we're never going to have people get over organically all the time. That doesn't make any sense. We're never going to have people get over organically in the WWE, it seems like, and rewarded by it. So this at least seems like this was drawn from a conclusion of Logan Paul will help you and this is what we want to happen. And I would love to see Happy Corbin and Logan Paul against KO and somebody, I think, down the line. I think that would be kind of cool. Maybe that's where we're headed because uh, I think Logan Paul, they're not stupid. Logan Paul does big numbers regardless of what he, yeah, what he is. This match has happened at some point. Who knows whether they drag it out or whatever, but KO is the perfect foil for this. Like yeah. He's the perfect foil for Corbin. He's the perfect foil for Logan Paul. Why do I love this segment? Because it was fucking fun, Nestle. Yeah. It was fun. This is the shit like you can say whatever you want about it. It's enjoyable. And I just, I love like the tease, obviously like they gain up on KO and blah, blah, blah. But it just like, it makes sense. It's fun. It's something different in the show. And here's the thing, like, KO, he doesn't, like, he, he gets title matches, but when he's not involved in stuff and he's actually around, he always gets this type of treatment where he still feels like one of the best parts of the show because not only because it's him, but he always gets these interactions. Same with Corbin. They're kind of like the same. Obviously, one's a good guy, one's a bad guy, but they're always involved in these extra things that bring someone in. It's kind of like The Miz. Like, they're always involved in these, like, really, really fun like celebrity feuds or whatever they oh there's always a way to make them interesting and yeah this is one of my favorite things of the week as well very cool very cool um i don't really have a lot more that made me excited on raw or smackdown so the only last thing i had is i mean these guys fight a lot it's monday night rerun but it's the good kind uh sheamus and mcintyre fucking those two like i never like mcintyre more than when he's fighting sheamus because these guys beat the fuck out of each other yeah it was a very weird way to set up a priest uh sheamus rematch but i still think that somehow mcintyre is gonna shoehorn himself into this match and make it a triple threat just by the way that all this has been booked um so i don't think it's just gonna be a straight rematch at this point but who knows maybe it will be but either way mcintyre is involved here but it's just it's so fucking refreshing to see this guy go for a different title just like i said last week so i like that yeah, it definitely feels like he is compelling again because it, it was a chore. I guess that's the only way to say it. De- dealing with or watching Drew McIntyre for a very long time because he was very popular, and then it just seemed like pandemic hit, and he did it the best he could. And now we're, we've we've had we've had Drew fatigue for a very long time, and I think they've gone out of their way to kind of acknowledge that, which is good. So this made me go, okay, cool, fighting for a title, and he lost, you know, and that's great. Let's go let, I, I, let's go down that path more. Let's go down that path of, like, I am losing all the time. I was, an un, you know, an indestructible human, and now I am not. And I, here's the thing. I would like to see him have more Achilles heel. I would like to see him have problems. I would like to see, because I think that's what's relatable, and there's nothing relatable about Drew McIntyre, really. I mean, he's like six foot eight, good-looking man. Like chiseled out of stone. It's a sexy Scotsman. Sexy Scotsman. There's so much that he is that I am not. Like, I, there's nothing reliable about the man. You know, I, he does show up every Monday, but like, there's, sorry, relatable is what I should have said. There's nothing relatable about him at all. You know, like, you look at him and he's chiseled. He's just, he's carved out of stone. He's on the side of a truck. Me, I'll never be anywhere. I'll be put on a milk carton before a side of a truck. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you know, there's nothing relatable. <laughs> to Drew McIntyre. So get him some more losses, get him some more doubts and stuff so I can be like, ah, Drew, you, you're a human being. Good for you. Yeah. 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 Want to get heady? Let's do it. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Get him off my TV. Well, this could start very quickly. Uh, I don't know how you feel about it, so I'm just going to go look very quickly. Uh, Dolph Ziggler lost to Boogs in a jobber alert. That's a... I fucking hated it, man. Oh my goodness. Why can't... 
I just don't understand. When, when you put Dolph Ziggler out there with someone, the whole purpose of putting Dolph Ziggler out there with him is to let him just fucking make them look good. Not a two-second squash. They could have put me out there and had boobs do that to me, and it would have the same effect. The whole point of Dolph Ziggler is to put him out there, give him fucking eight to ten minutes with Rick Boobs, and make this guy look like the best wrestler in the world. So I just, I despise how they did this this week. Yeah, I, it was bad. It was very bad. And, of course, another jobber alert. Your boy Dominic lost to Sammy, and, and at least it's a storyline aspect of it. But was I felt a jobber alert? It didn't yeah, feel that quick. It was quick. It was under three <laughs> minutes or less. And, and so I just... For me, I, I don't mind it as much, but it was still kind of like, well, it was kind of a repeat. It felt like a repeat. Doesn't sound like WWE at all to do a no, rerun. No, it, it was a Friday Night Delight, but it was an obvious rerun. So I just was kind of like, eh, whatever. But that was a jobber alert. We head over to Raw very quickly. I think there was one. Yes, jobber alert, Jomo, after having Moist TV. Which back honestly, back weeks of jobber alerts yeah. for Johnny Drip Trip. So here's the thing that I wanted to especially shout out about it was I didn't I did enjoy the the Joe the Joe Mo portion of Moist TV, but it felt you like didn't it, enjoy the carrying cross. No, but it was just and so the, here's the thing I I people who know me you know outside of the podcast know like there's obviously a different person, but for me like as a human I give I give way too many chances to people. So when I'm watching Cross I'm like I kind of want to like be wrong. I, I want just, him to succeed. Yeah, dude. yeah. I think like his act, especially with Scarlet, is so fucking cool. Yeah. But without it, it's just like you know. I saw that this is the best joke of the week on Twitter. It's like uh, Vince has dropped the carrion from Carrion Cross. I'll just go by Cross now because Scarlet did all the carrion in the next scene. I was yeah. like, so good. Yeah. So so it was just weird because like, and I think here's the issue with it. And I and I know somebody thought this was a good idea on paper or whatever, but the execution of it didn't make any damn sense to me, JC was I was watching Moist TV and I was getting into the like, here, listen up, you know, Aquaholics and doing the whole thing. Like, I love that portion of it. But then it cut cut the cross and I get that he's supposed to be super serious. He's like, that's a good plan, but I'll finish you first. It was just like, line. You know, it's just like, is he reading off a teleprompter? Is there a pulse? Is there a pulse? So So I just, I couldn't believe it. I absolutely couldn't believe it. And it felt like I was watching, it it literally felt like two people on location on a green screen. They weren't even acting to each other. It just felt weird and just so disconnected. And it was so like inauthentic, I guess is the best word to say it. There's nothing authentic about Cross. And then he turned into super, you know, super sexy suspender guy and it beats him in three minutes and less. And I just, I can't for the life of me, JC, sit here. It's like. I would, and, this, and I know Cap makes this joke all the time about like, you know, all this good stuff happens on wrestling. And of course his, his wife will come in when like the stupid shit happens. I feel like carrying cross is the, is the moment where anybody walks in and is like, why the fuck do you watch this shit? Oh, with the fucking super shredder yeah, helmet. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. what do you do? Like, and he just, it's like, he looks like, he looks like he's a Mad Max stripper. It makes no sense. Like if Chippendales and Mad Max came together, you get carrying cross. That's it. So I just, eh, you know, it's like, oh, you're supposed to be an, I just don't take him as a threat. I don't. No, I don't buy him. I, I literally like to, they took away his presence and he's the type of guy that should never do an interview like that. If you're going to do that, that's when you have Scarlet talk for him and he just fucking like, he should be above interacting on that type of fucking thing, especially because it made him look bad. But second of all, it's just like in terms of his character, he shouldn't give a fuck about doing an interview with Johnny Drip Trip. I, I should care. He should have literally, when he tossed him, he should have turned over, picked him up, and fucking threw him across the room. Sure, and I, I totally agree with you because I can't imagine a Roman Reigns or a Brock Lesnar, somebody that's a destructive force, even <laughs> entertaining the idea of it. So the fact that he's so low on the totem pole with that, it, you're absolutely right, JC. Absolutely 100% correct. Something else that I want to get to that made me kind of, not my blood boil specifically, but made me go, eh, you know, whatever, it's fine. 
was this whole random thing about, well, we get into Raw and it's, so we do that whole Nia Jax thing, which I was a fan of. They 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 looked a less cl- little less clunky this week, and the Charlotte was actually a pretty decent match. But the the Shayna stuff felt like like an annoying bug, like just like a gnat that you just wanted to swat away. It just it didn't make any sense. And I know there's going to be a reason for it. And I know they're going to face each other or whatever. But they're inter- actually going to break up this time, even though they've already broken up twice. But it, but it was just this more of like stop and go, stop Stupid. and go momentum killer. And I just felt like, you know, when you're trying to watch something and someone's talking to you and you're annoyed by it, that's what I felt like I was watching. It just, it didn't serve a purpose for me because I, I don't care about Nia Jax and Shayna. I want them to do separate things and then make me care separately. But if they're still attached at the hip as a, you know, like she's supposed to be doing something. And then there's just like the bitter sidekick. I just, I can't do it because to me, Shayna Baszler's better by herself. Nia Jax is better by herself. Let's just break off a piece of this thing and get a rate. Get, just go away with it. Cause Charlotte, it was all like, this was the first time I felt like I felt doubt in a while for Charlotte. And then it just got negated, and here comes Alexa Bliss, and the crowd seemed to eat that part up, which is great, but... Eh, well, Alexa's Alexa, man. Like, she just... No matter what they do, she's going to be over like fucking Rover, as yeah, she should be. But uh, but the, didn't you think it took away from the match? Not that specific. Yeah, no, I, like, I literally didn't give a fuck about this match, and especially with the Shayna stuff, I was like, okay, whatever, and I just... I just I don't know. I just it was useless. But yeah, I don't I don't care to watch have a Nia Shayna feud, but I understand they have to do it, but it's just like that draft can't come soon enough because they can... Rip them apart completely. Anything else you want to get heady about it? Would you like to get hopeful? I did not like that. I, I I bitch about the contenders matches, but the one that bothered me the most is the Street Profits and Usos because it's like, man, I really wanted the first time that these two really took off to like be on like a big fucking stage. Instead, they like kick off the show and have an end of DQ. Like again, <laughs> like they're doing the they're doing the typical WWE where they tease you with a match with the with the actual match. But in this case scenario, it was just like. I mean, all you're going to do for me is make me less excited about this mega match. And that's what it did. It was frustrating. Just like, dude, the Street Profits came out and they've been fighting them. They don't need to have a contenders match to be contenders. It's just like Alexa comes out and she's the number one contender because she came out to Charlotte. She got the big win at SummerSlam. It made sense. Street Profits have been getting their big wins in the tag division. They're clearly the biggest stuff for the Usos. They've been attacking the Usos. The match is already there. This was just like, why are we, why are we wasting this for lack of a better term? It's just stuff like that is what frustrates me so much when I see it because I'm like, am I going to see these two teams wrestle six times for the actual match? And then it's going to be like one of those things where I get to the match and it's like, well, even if this thing tears my socks off, they're really going to have to earn it because I've already seen it. So it's just, I just, it's just a frustrating way they do things for me. How do you, and I'm curious because we, this isn't necessarily heat, but I'm curious. It's not something I'm in, in love with. I'm, I'm growing on the idea of Rhea and Nikki since we're talking about tag teams. I think they're a fun tag team. And I think for a division that is absolutely dead right now, because and I don't think it's the fault of the woman in the division. I think it's the fault where it's like they keep starting and stop again with feuds and then just make you forget about them. And like not Natty and Tamina have done nothing. Uh, Shotzi and um, Tegan have done like nothing, even though they beat them like three times. But Ripley and Nikki have such a great dynamic, and I think we saw that in their feud with Charlotte, that this made sense. They're also very likable, and I think them becoming the champions would be a fun story, and those who carry the titles would definitely give those titles more meaning. So, uh, yeah, let's fast forward to it when they win, because then I'll really care. <laughs> and poor Tegan and uh, Shotzi just sit there with their thumbs up that bones. Yeah, that's the thing. We get Tegan, Shotzi, and Tony Storm on SmackDown. They have some, like, their dev debuts with it there, and then that's like one of those things where it's like, well... 
Um, we have a lot of other things you want to jam in the show, so you guys are going to be in the background. And then Tony, we'll put you back on TV to, you know, have Dolph Ziggler flirt with you because, you know, you're a blonde, and that's what we do with all our blonde superstars. But just that's what's frustrating to me about the way that WWE books things week to week is you have more time than AEW and NXT, yet you just do the same shit over and over again and leave like these other acts where. You could have had Tony Storm wrestle this week, someone, and make it meaningful, as opposed to fucking doing Usos and Street Profits, where just they just don't spread shit around. It's like the same stuff every week on repeat. Like you said, Zayn and Dominic again, just like the same shit every week on repeat, where it's like mix it up a little, give that a breather, where maybe they just do a promo and the next week you have the match. Just mix it up, man. It's just, but it's that's just the way they've always done things and they continue to do things. I think we're going to be headed for a couple of years before they get rid of those tag belts again. I really do. I think they're going to get rid of those women's tag belts. I don't, I don't want it they, to. I don't think they will um, just because I think the backlash room will be so bad. They'll just do what they're doing now. They'll just barely use them and make you forget about them and then pull them out of the toy box and they feel like using them. What's convenient. That's a fair oh, belts, they going to come back? Yeah. Okay. Pull out the tag belts. Maybe they won't. Who knows now with, with uh, you know, Brian. No, Daniel Bryan said in his pressure, he's like, look at Bree has so many connections there and business there that I don't think she'll be coming here. Yeah. So Nikki was happy for him as she's, you know, she was critical at SummerSlam. Kind of like, kind of love drunk heel Nikki on Twitter. So. Drunk heel Nikki. You gotta love it. Yeah. Uh, okay. So let's move on. Let's get hopeful. Glorious time. Uh, do you want me to go? Uh, if you're I ready, go okay. for it. So something, something piqued my interest and this is what, this is what I was thinking about uh, as I was watching SmackDown. For me, I'm really excited with the, the, the acceleration or the, the building of the character of, obviously, the head of the table, the tribal chief. So, obviously, we, as you say, we've got our everyday run-of-the-mill contenders. We've got some other people that are lurking. We've got Brock Lesnar, which is a big deal. But here's what I would love to see. And it was something that sparked in, in, in for me specifically. The reason, really, that the tribal chief is going to continue to just roll over motherfuckers is because of Big E. This entire character is built for Big E to destroy or overcome or conquer or whatever you want to say to get that moment. And it was no more blatant than the janitor spot after the promo on SmackDown, which I thought was wonderful. But I here's what I want to go a, a step further with Big E. I would like for Big E to use this as a device, as a reminder, constantly lurking, constantly hiding, being a janitor, being, a, a, you know, doing the popcorn vending, you know, trying to water the plants for the, you know, the, the plants behind the chief, whatever, just lurk, do all that stuff. And I think what's going to end up happening is you are going to see big, it, this is what I would love to see, this is my hope. I would love to see Big E use that as a vehicle to be the, the background of cashing in. I want to be able to see him be a camera guy or be like, be something that you didn't expect and all of a sudden, Roman Reigns is down. He cashes in. And I know it might be a fluky kind of victory, but in some terms of, like, unexpectedness, I think, is what we need with Big E. I don't like these baby faces that say, like, three weeks from now, I'm going to cash in. I hate that. Like, I think that, and I get that's what you're supposed to do, and that's why I think kind of baby faces holding the money in the bank is kind of iffy sometimes. But with Big E, I think if you caught the tribal chief off guard with a master of disguise kind of feeling after a Brock win you know, I'm sorry, after he beats Brock or anything like that, like after just an exhausting feeling, I think that would be kind of cool. I don't think it would take away from the tribal chief, but I don't see Big E cashing that thing in to a Royal Rumble or to a WrestleMania anyway. So having Big E have that giant moment and beat that guy with a master of surprise kind of feeling, 
I think would be even better for his character. So that's my hope. Hashtag Nestle knows. Hashtag Nestle hopes come true, kind of. Hashtag Nestle's better than you. There you go. No, that ain't true. Uh, but I will say, Big ES champion is what I want. But uh, I think he might be headed to Raw to reunite with his boys and taking it from Lashley at some point. That's just my prediction. Might be wrong. But well, that's kind of how I feel. So my hope, actually, this is one I kind of thought about last week before I even watched anything. But I was thinking about the women's tag division in WWE and just how, like, it's obviously very thin. I feel like they have more women's tag teams in NXT for those championships than they actually do in the main roster. And they're just not using them. So I was thinking, how do we get some depth? But also do some things that make a little more sense to me. Well, Nestlemania, it starts with splitting Tegan and Shotzi because there's someone else at NXT who's, you know, pretty much finished up there because she lost her championship match. That's Dakota Kai. Her and Tegan have a great history of being friends and not so friends. Well, you know what? We go to the main roster. Sometimes we like forgive history. And we say, it's just like, to me, they could be like the female Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens where they're on again, off again. You know what? I want them on again because I love Tegan Knox and I love Dakota Kai. So make them a fucking tag team. And Ember and Shotzi, when they plug and played Ember, when uh, Tegan got hurt, it worked as well. So make them a tag team. Boom. Two new fresh tag teams up there in the women's division who can have some fun matches against each other, whatever. It's pretty simple. It adds some depth for the division to a division that they barely even use and that is tough. But it's something where I would get a little excited for that. I think it would be cool. So why not do it? Hashtag JC knows. Hashtag JC's hopes come true. I just want to say for the record that you absolutely just flip-flopped because you said a couple weeks ago that basically you can't be something different in NXT and and be something different on the main roster. And I said that you could, so I'm just trying no, to... No, 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 that's not what You're I basically said. said. You basically said that. No, because Tony Storm's in the same thing. She was full heel in NXT and on SmackDown, she's been like a gee golly gosh baby face. It's just like... That's just what they do. And Dakota Kai, she's also, no, we had that. she lost. She could have seen the error of her ways. And when she returns, she could reunite with her friend. It's literally typical wrestling. I know, it but what I'm saying all the was, time. We were it has saying- nothing to do with NXT to the main roster. It's just like they make her return on the main roster because guess what? Tegan's not in NXT anymore. It makes perfect sense. You can be two totally You're different things. You're trying to cross parallels that aren't parallels. You can cross streams. You shouldn't. That's a Ghostbusters reference, but you don't know that. That's a big sword fight guy. You don't even like Ghostbusters, I bet. Ghostbusters are good. Good? I should should come over and and slap you. Did you like the most recent movie? That's irrelevant. That is a separate thing. Irrelevant. Uh, Irrelevant. It's so fucking bad, dude. That has nothing to do with the ones that I'm talking about. Anyway, we should probably go on. The originals originals are fantastic, but I'm just saying the most recent thing they done. Anyway, (laughs) it's time to go to the comeback. Let's don't call it a comeback, whatever the hell you say. Don't call it a comeback. He's been here for a while, and now he's back on the main roster. I'm giving it to Drake Maverick because the rest of this bullshit needs to stop. Drake Maverick, at least, makes Reggie versus Drake Maverick funny or good. I like that he didn't seem like a kind of a whoop, whoop, whoop kind of character. He seemed kind of pissed off, which I thought was nice. And, you know, obviously he does the yuck yucks better than most people. But, you know, he was kind of floundering in NXT because, you know, I think his boy, his tag team partner is no longer. So it is what it is. And so they parted ways there, and now he's back on the main roster because it's better than, you know, probably being somewhere else. So I was really excited for it because as much as I hate that the 24-7 championship and the Reggie and the Truth and Tozawa and it looked like Jeff Hardy and, and your boy Cedric, which hurt my feelings, and then, you know, all these crazy Three Stooges-looking things, and then it just stopped. And then it was Drake Maverick, and I went, yeah, I could see Drake Maverick being better than Truth at it. I could see Drake Maverick versus Reggie, so he gets my comeback. 
No, I was excited for this, which I never say about this title like ever, but what was the best part of this title? It was the Drake Maverick stuff. Like he just, it's what he like does. And he just, he's such a likable guy and hateable guy at the same time because he's just he's just good so i think having him with reggie who clearly like vince is in love with this dude as he should be reggie's immensely talented brings something completely different than anyone else so i think giving him drake maverick to play off of because they've kind of played out this our truth uh does that one thing i think it makes sense it's fun but my comeback most obvious comeback of all time 99 reasons why anna jay is my comeback she returned last week on TV. She was part of the historic All Out pay-per-view. She's the best, man. Absolutely best. Ooh, whoa, 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 whoa. Man, good for him. But yeah, Anna Jay gets my comeback because she's a stud. Uh, the best part of the Dark Order, and it isn't even fucking close. So maybe they'll be half relevant again. But she just, she's great. And I'm happy to have her back. And running, stomping down the ramp is so hilarious. <laughs> That's incredible. It is hysterical. And it just looked like, like, it just looked like, you know what it looked like to me? It just looked like a mom really pissed at her kid. Like, just, I'm yep. caught, ca- you're getting that time out. Like, that's just what it felt like. And I was, I was burst out laughing when I saw that. I went, oh, of course. Oh, and her, of course. her Tay, her and Tay versus Penelope and the bunny. Oh my God. Yep. Ooh. I'm going to need a bath after that one. Aye, aye, aye. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what else to say there, except moving uh, on. You finish when that usually happens. Yeah, so the big, the big finish. finish. Um, and we'll stick with the AW theme. Um, I don't have Dynamite stuff up, but I know on Rampage, the match we were supposed to get at All Out between uh, Pac and Andrade is happening. I think we both picked Andrade, so we assume that. But uh, that should be a pretty good TV match for Rampage. I, I don't disagree with you, but I think that it's funny that somebody was... I think uh, maybe it was... Uh, well... Maybe, it, I think it was uh, Andrade that said, like, of course, travel, you know, issues and all this stuff. It wasn't and, travel issues, but that's what they're selling it as on TV. It's the same reason Sasha missed her event is why Pac missed his event. Really? No, a pandemic, people. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, they, they sold it well by doing it. And they even, didn't they even have, like, I'm, like, half remembering this because I was so, like, tired. But didn't they do a thing where, like, Andrade helped the Lucha Brothers get to the event? So they at least kind of did something of what I wanted there. So this this feud definitely, like, when I think of guys who maybe, like, quote-unquote, could get lost in the shuffle or become frustrated, these two guys would be potential guys that I'd put on the list. So I'm curious to see, but I'm glad they're getting a chance to, I think, we'll have a banner of a match. I don't think anyone's disputing that. But, but yeah, I don't, unless if you have any other stuff at AEW, I'm fine with jumping NXT. Well, you have your, you have the big match here that was clearly, you know, it's going to be a big deal for our boy Conway, which is Moxley versus Suzuki. So it's like, it's a big oh, deal. Right. So, I mean, that's a, you know, there's a homecoming match in Cincinnati. I doubt this is going to be the, the whole main event, but it'll maybe start off the show because he's a good yeah, way to start so. off the show. And, uh, you know, like Conway said, this is a big fucking deal. So, I mean, this is the first Forbidden Door guy. I mean, I don't think a Forbidden Door. I think the Forbidden Door is like 0-8 against uh, AEW. But that's okay. That's what it's there I mean, it is their show, so. Right. I'm just, you know, it'd be be nice every once in a while to see that. But also, I think on the card, if I'm not mistaken, let's see if I can see it real quick. There is um, another match up with, I think, a tag title match. Maybe? Maybe not. I could have sworn there was another match. I'm sorry. There, there definitely are. I just can't remember what they are. There, there's a lot to talk about, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, they're probably going to have to parade out Punk and, and, of course, Daniel Bryan and Jungle Boy and all the, the random crap they're going to do, so I don't know. Whoa, 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 whoa. You have no idea. It's oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, that's what I was doing. You don't hear right. No, that, that, I honestly you don't, don't have say rhythm. This. You don't have Nestle rhythm. WrestleMania, 
I enjoyed the 10 team tag match on the pre-show. Ew. I, I want to vomit in your face right now. It's like, like the thought of it is disgusting, but AEW just, it was fun. I had fun with Orange Cassidy and Jungle Boy and all the nonsense. I had fun. And that's saying something because Matt Hardy was in that match and he stinks right now. So uh, we're going to head over to NXT where they actually have a pretty big card tonight. They have two title matches, uh, one being MSK defending their tag team titles against the former champions, Oni Lorcan and Denny Bitch. I don't necessarily think Danny Birch and Oni Lorcan are going to win. Oh, but, they're not winning. But M- MSK has this weird thing where, like, the crowd doesn't like them. Like, the, the hardcore NXT fans don't like the them. The hardcore NXT fans hate everything. That's why they got to get the fuck out of that venue. It can't come soon enough. I don't think they are getting the fuck out of that venue. I think full sale I, is not a thing right now. Yeah, I don't know. It just, that's, the, the crowd in NXT has just been fucking weird but but yeah i would uh, think msk is gonna win because uh their matches are very good this one should be good the other one is a women's tag team title match that's right you probably forgot nxt had women's tag team titles because they've appeared less on tv than natty and tamina have and that is the odd couple of io shirai and zoe stark they had that weird dinner segment a few weeks ago which was the definition of cringe but they're defending against my girls the underdogs casey catanzaro and kaden carter I wouldn't expect to see a title change here, though, either. I would, because NXT is... <gasps> making, I hope so. Making a changeover. I think they're great. They're think, so rootable. They're little, they're little fun. I, I, I would expect right now that because they've been doing nothing and the, the, the championships are doing... like app, The champions are doing nothing except terrible skits, and NXT is, is moving over to a younger feel. I mean, why wouldn't you give it to the younger ladies? Because Zoe, I don't disagree. Zoe, to me, Zoe Starks, as much as I, I think she's probably got a giant upside from what I've seen from her lately, is like she just she just kisses everybody's ass and like I don't I'm just there's nothing about her that makes me any connect at all to her. I just kind of go whatever. Obviously, EO deserves to go to the main roster, do her own thing. She needs she to get out of there. A year ago. And honestly, if if age really is a factor in NXT, then yes, let's let's fast forward that to make EO Shirai a big fucking deal. Let's do you it. Wait for this. Leader in the clubhouse for JC, most underutilized superstar of the year, EO motherfucking Shirai. Do yeah. something better with her. Come on, she's way too talented. But also, we have something that I'm actually really excited for, and that is Kaylee Ray and Ember Moon. This on paper could be a banner of a match. Um, obviously, Ember really hasn't done much since her return. She actually posted a picture yesterday about how she just really lost a lot of weight, and I think that's awesome because she pretty much couldn't walk for six months. So good for her. I'm excited to see her because she's always been one of my favorites in the ring. And Kaylee Ray is immensely talented. Um, I'm hoping she can find success over here because I think she can bring a lot to these women's divisions and a really solid veteran. Yeah, I, I definitely love Kaylee Ray's work on uh, NXT UK, and she did a great job holding that down for a long time in that division. And obviously, Ember Moon inside the ropes is is pretty amazing as well, especially with that finish. So I would like to see Kaylee Ray pick up a big victory, especially since I think this is her first match. So She won, uh, She beat someone random like two weeks ago. Okay, yeah, so this, this, is, this is a first this is real first, like, test. Big match. First, big test. Match. first test, I guess, yeah. is the best way to look at it. So yeah, I would say that was definitely a, a big, it'll be a big night for her. So on SmackDown WrestleMania, they're going to MSG. I believe we're getting Rollins versus Edge. That'll start off the show. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, I don't remember what else is booked because I didn't do a good job prepping today. But, yeah, it's at MSG, so expect them to pull out some stops. Well, The Undertaker has been kind of sitting there. We know how you feel about The Undertaker and uh, his Quaker Oats. So what's he, what's, who's he going to bother? He's just going to come out, and then there's going to be that, you know, the guy on the side just holding the, a giant So I get to fast forward sign. 15 minutes of the show? Sounds good. Well, him. So what? I, what I was told from Uncle Dave was that we're gonna end up having Roman and the Undertaker start at the exact same time and see who can who can have the longest entrance. So 
and, and just sit there. That'll take the whole two hours. Yeah, exactly. Like it doesn't make any sense, but it, it makes sense to me. But all, all, all kidding aside, there is a contract signing with Becky Lynch and Bianca Belair and NMSG, which I'm assuming will try to be a big moment, but we've talked about this on this program at nauseum. Contract signings don't mean shit. No, and I love Bianca, and I'm just like the Becky thing, meh. But yeah, Becky, Lynch I can't get enough gonna... Bianca in my life. I just, I, she's legitimately like when I think of true baby faces right now in wrestling, I fucking adore her, mm-hmm. and I just want all the success for her, which I don't say about a lot of characters, but it's just she's got something special. Becky, right now, it's just, I don't know what to believe with her. She's all over the place. And finally, finally, the return. Dun, 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 dun. Is he Lesnar. actually uh, advertised for the show? He is advertised for the show, supposedly. Man, I'm so. curious to see how they go forward with this because I feel like it's not happening at Extreme Rules. This feels more of like a Survivor Series main event or something, but you never know with WWE. Yeah. Or is it Saudi? Is this I, a Saudi I mean, I, I mean, I, I expect Lashley and Goldberg, and I expect Roman and, Saad, uh, Roman and, and Brock and Saudi. I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So we're getting the demon at extreme rules, which I'm okay with. Yeah, that's fine. That, that's, I that's wouldn't mind seeing. I kind of was hoping on Friday that to make Finn look strong, they had Lesnar come out because I think that would have been cool and just continue to cost Finn. I like the way they did it, but but yeah, it's uh, it's been a few weeks since we've seen uh, Man Bun Brock, and obviously we've gotten the, the heavy Heyman teases on SmackDown, so it would definitely uh, get us moving in the direction. I think. I think that's where we're headed, and uh, I think they need a kick in the ass because. As we've talked about earlier in the program, there's a lot to be excited about. So hopefully that breeds kind of new life into the WWE programming, I hope, because uh, NXT is probably going to get a new, you know, kick in the pants. So maybe next the week. Other, yeah, the next week. And so maybe we talk about that next week because I'm looking, uh, when we saw the the whole, what the arena looks like, I thought it looked fly. I thought it looked great. So I'm excited for it. And I think that, you know, the, the focus on younger talent I'm ready for. Um, but yeah, I think WWE in general just needs a kick in the old uh, tater tots. So. Yeah, they need they need their they have a lot of things that really work, but I think fundamentally there are some things they need to change. And I think the NXT one is nice because they're changing the whole presentation. Like you're still going to get all your talent, but one thing we've seen it kind of in the past month or so, them really pairing a lot of their younger talent with some older talent, which is kind of how NXT started. You had the pros and the whatever, but they're kind of doing that on a different like scale. Where obviously, like you see, that's what Mandy's been doing as a mentor. We've even seen like Frankie Monet, who may be new to WWE, but She's working with younger people, but just across the board, I think we're seeing that a lot more in NXT. Um, AEW's been doing that too. I mean, they're literally using Sting to just pay right around Darby to just try to make it. So that's something that I think is always a good move in wrestling. So I think NXT, that being part of it, I think is a good thing because what better way to learn than next to someone who's good already and has tons of experience. Oh, yeah. also one last thing on Raw. I believe the tag team match is set for next Monday. Um, we obviously know RK Bros. Probably you know, this is just the further storyline, like you said. But is there any chance Bobby becomes a double champ? I I would say so. I think that uh, we've already seen the matchup before. I think they they faced two weeks ago, right? For was it for the tag titles? Yeah, and so, RK Bro retained. Yeah, so maybe I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb and say Lashley wins. Wow, that would be surprising. But you know what, Raw. Ron needs to do some surprising things. I think so. they need to shake it up a little bit. I mean, you can yeah, obviously have him win, him, win him back but at, at Extreme Rules. It's fine. I wouldn't do it, but okay. but yeah. Is what it is, folks. Well, anyway, I don't think there's anything else, folks, for Ra. I think Will the Miz ever come back? Probably not. He fears water. Yeah. He fears water. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, I think it's time to, to wrap up the show. So we, we will thank you for listening to the Jabberknocker this week. And we'll be back next week 
with more Jobber Knockery. And Eva Marie!